Hello, you're listening to A Little Bit of Largan, a podcast exploring how to find a more balanced, sustainable and mindful approach to living to help support our well-being, the well-being of others and of the planet too. My name is Marla and in this episode I'm talking with Matilda Bjardum, who's a very good friend of mine and I'm now actually living with her here in Malmö in Sweden. Matilda is a freelance dance artist. We trained together at Northern School of Contemporary Dance and she grew up in Sweden. So I thought it would be interesting to talk with her about how the concept of Lagum has become embedded in her values and approaches to life in many aspects. We cover so much in this conversation, how Lagum's integrated into the Swedish way of life, the differences she felt when moving to the UK, We discuss our appreciation for nature, our views on capitalism and advertisement in shaping the disposable culture we live in, concerns surrounding tribalism with social media and considering individual and collective responsibilities when approaching environmental and social injustices. The conversation journeys down many avenues and stresses the importance of opening up dialogues in the pursuit of positive change. Also, I'm going to keep apologising for the audio quality of some of these recordings. It is something I'm definitely working on, um, but as I've quite recently moved somewhere different, I'm working with different audio possibilities for recording and a different location. So yeah, I do apologise for this, but I really hope that you can enjoy the content of these conversations all the same. I really hope this conversation will spark your own interest in opening up conversations and continuing to challenge your perspectives. So let's jump straight into the episode, which we really do. There's not much of a formal introduction, so let's get into it. That's why I always have the like the introduction mm. fast questions. Okay. First off, it was just a plan to have it as a I guess a thing we did before and not mm. really recording it, but yeah. recording it. But then it was so nice answers from everyone. Mm. I'm so bad with making decisions. But now I remember listening to your quick fire ones. There's one that's like, would you rather have a year living on like a shoestring budget or and like traveling everywhere or yeah. having a year or completely only luxury. in one place? Yeah, complete luxury. Yeah. yeah. See, that one for me is an easy one. I'd just be like shoestring budget all the way. You'd be that for sure. Yeah. 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 Year of luxury, but in one place. I think I'd just feel guilty the whole time being like, I don't need all of this. Mm, for sure. You know? Yeah, for sure. Mm. Depends on what circumstances that comes with, you mm-hmm. know? If it's complete luxury in the way you want complete luxury. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Depends on how you see the question. It's Your true. complete luxury could be that you're self-sufficient garden at home. Mm, oh, yeah. And you don't have to think about mm, anything. I feel like I always think about things. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Something. Yeah, when can um, you when yeah, can you shut yeah, off yeah. your brain? I mean, yeah. but yeah, it's interesting because most people set shoestring budget mm. in the in the field that we are in, and yeah. I probably would say the same. But there there was some that was like, I am done with the shoestring budget. Mm. I would like just a year to do this and then I can go back to whatever I want to do. Yeah and then I mean also if you think about it from a sustainability perspective Mm. depending on how you view the luxury actually maybe staying still for a year could be be more environmentally friendly but then if I was walking around or cycling Mm. or getting trains Mm. then it'd be different Mm. so yeah I'd have to be very specific on like shoestring budget but no flying. Yeah I know also in Sweden, we have all this kind of different locations, like different huts 
if you do a walking trail, for example, there's certain kind of huts or living arrangements that are usually for hikers or for mm. people that go into nature. And as a person, you could apply to become one of these people that take care of these houses for a while and welcome all these people in. Wow. So you would be the one that kind of hosts everyone that comes there. Being like, hi, there's a house and we're here, you can sleep. And mm -hmm. usually they bring their food, but you can help them. I could bring them vegan snacks. <laughs> vegan snacks, vegan snacks, vegan snacks. <laughs> no, but I think what if you would be in, in you know, in the snow up up north and will have one of these huts and to take care of people coming in and out like yeah. of the nature i think that could be lovely as well you know yeah that would be so beautiful <laughs> before i get way too sidetracked and just chat about escaping into nature forever which yeah. would be wonderful but yeah i mean i guess I, I haven't actually said thank you yet for agreeing to come on the what will be a podcast i'm happy to I be asked it. to come on this podcast i wanted to ask because obviously you've grown up in sweden for people it may not be obvious for because they I don't know me <laughs> yeah. yeah but they could tell from the accent i think you think so oh maybe Hmm. I'm trying to think. Would I, would I have guessed? <laughs> I'm not. It depends on some mm. words. You will definitely, mm. you know, understand that I am yeah. from Sweden. I think some words I'm trying to like sidetrack to come from Sweden mm. because I don't really like the Swedish accent. It's not the thing <gasps> I really do like. My goodness. I think most Swedish people would agree with mm. me. No, it's not the most beautiful one, mm -hmm. um, but it is sufficient. It's sufficient. <laughs> Well, if you are listening from Sweden and you want to get in contact and agree or disagree with Matilda's slating of your accent, then... I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Just... But yeah, as you obviously grew up in Sweden and Lagum, which I took inspiration from for this podcast, is um, a Swedish concept, I'd love to hear the ways it might have impacted on, yeah, your upbringing and the values you hold now and yeah your approach to living in this very complicated world yeah no it's interesting because i think the term logum has always been you know so embedded there since as you say i grew up here so it was always like too much too little logum that's right <laughs> where it is that's the perfect amount this is just what i need people can disagree with me but i feel in general that as swedes we're very diplomatic we're, we're, I'm generalizing now, we're very open in general to hear other people's views and then to discuss them. We don't have to agree, mm. but to discuss them always. And I think the logon comes in of there everywhere. We're not wanting to be extreme, most of us. We, that's not the point of what we're going mm. for. Extremism is not who we are as people. Mm. And it's I, not this like polarization really. I mean, yeah, in generalization, mm -hmm. there's, there's not like if you look at the general population, that's my view of it. It's not the most pol polarized. But I think with this logum aspect of feeling of life, I feel people are finding their lives mm -hmm. very much and mm -hmm. their logum. Now I'm going to work. It's logum for me to go home, just to be home, be my garden and then, you know, go back to work. Um, very like independent self-sufficient people we like to be independent for better or for worse not to get sidetracked here um i think logon comes down to everything that has to do with food that has to do with us living our lives and how we choose to do that and our structures it's supposed to be logon 
that's that's where we where we we're aiming for maybe not always where we turn up or we mm-hmm. end up but that's kind that's of the intention i would say that's the intention and it might not always be that we think about oh this should be logum but i think this is it's embedded mm-hmm. within what we do and how we choose to do that kind of and from what you've been saying it sounds like there's something in there about kind of the connection to yourself and what resonates with you as being the kind of right amount um yes which I think is something that sounds very special it's like checking in with your situation and the people around you and what how is my action going to create this kind of sense of lagum for the situation that I'm living in with that yeah I mean for sure like the the, the nice thing about lagum is that if someone pour you a cup of tea, that's the right amount of logum for me at that point in time for this context. This is logum. This is perfectly sufficient for me to go on to the next stuff I'm doing or to fill me up from what I've missed before. This is logum right now in this second, in this context. Because then you feel, okay, what is the sufficient amount of this right now? Amazing. Even I've only been here for what, like a few weeks now and you already kind of see how it filters into different ways of living, like being in this apartment and the kind of minimal but functional but still beautiful way that it's um, designed and nothing's excessive. It's really nice to kind of have the word lagum that encompasses that. The way you were saying it filters into everything, like kind of food and the environment as well. Um, I've noticed in Sweden it seems quite progressive in kind of a sustainability sense. Mm. Yeah I think there's obviously a lot of things we're not you know succeeding with when it comes to nature but we do have a lot of systems in place already that kind of serves the purpose of keeping nature and keeping our our welfare like the public's welfare because the nature is what guides the public and makes the public feel good. I know you've been here in Malmö where we're at right now which city of of the parks right (laughs) um and i feel for me it's always spoken to me a lot to have like nature integrated within a city so so well it's not just a park and then a city it is like it's very much integrated i don't know what you say about it it just kind of brings this life to the city and brings also also bring this calmness to the city Mm, i completely agree with that it's something I really notice is the way even when you're in the middle of the city, it feels green. Like yeah. there, there's a lot of greenery around. And I even think maybe that relates in a way to kind of the Largham outlook in that you don't separate these things. If you've got city, busy, industrialized mm. life, and then you have a park over here to separate it. Mm. You still have parks, but the parks don't just cut off as soon as you come into the no. city or you come into yeah more industrialized area it's all so interconnected and I mean I find that being in nature reconnects you with your appreciations for nature and Mm. feeling connected to the earth as a whole and your responsibility in protecting it Mm. so maybe that integration as well has a value there of reminding you we are part of nature and we Mm. need to protect it yeah it's very much of what you're saying it is a very special feeling um, because I always assumed that I didn't like cities. And that's not to say that I am a city person because <laughs> I, I still feel like on the whole, once a city gets through a certain size, it's kind of not sustainable, the practices mm. that will go on because just of the vast number of people. But I did notice that here it has a very different feel. 
And I was wondering if you wanted to talk a bit about your experiences moving from Sweden to the UK because, yeah, you spent like four years living in the UK. I mean, yeah. I mean, first off, when I moved to the UK and to Leeds in, in particular for this case, I had never been to Leeds. Like I auditioned in Denmark and then got accepted and then just went to Leeds directly without ever stepping my foot there. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, that was interesting, you know. Um, and obviously I would say like in Sweden, we're mostly what, exposed to American television. But when I came there, I was like, okay, film cuts off a bit takes off a bit of what it is it glorifies everything you know it's not you can't see every detail of everything that is on the street but it was something for me that i didn't realize i didn't realize my privilege where i've come from growing up in sweden until i moved out of sweden because for me it was so just so engraved into me that oh you go pawn your bottles when you're done you know you get money back even like my grandparents they gave me plastic bottles to just go like oh go pawn these use the money to buy some ice cream you know it's so it was so already embedded into our system with recycling and how usually it looks like also you know visually when you walk through a town that i didn't realize that was not the case everywhere until I went abroad. Mm. And I think I've had a lot of conversations with other Swedish people to say as well, like it's important that you actually go abroad, not to speak about going abroad, but to go abroad. Because then you get, um, you understand on a diff more different level, you have an empathy and understanding for different situations and that you are living in a very privileged city and have very, very privileged um, habits or you're able to use these habits in a different way mm. than other people have with different socioeconomical backgrounds, as it is, especially in the area that we lived in. But also, I would say the health and safety regulations. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I mean, in Sweden, we have this rule, basically. It's called Allemansrätten mm -hmm. in Swedish, but in English, they would, you know, translate it to freedom to roam. Okay. So this is basically a rule that allows people to use public space or to like, you know, stay over in a tent for a night without any problems. There's, as I said, regulations on how far you're going to get to a private land or a building per se and whatnot. But this is just quite a big thing. I could go out and dance and have my own jam. It wouldn't, it, it wouldn't be an issue. And I think that was also restricting for me, like in terms of you know, connecting with nature, connecting with people, connecting with the society within and the freedoms you can have within that. Mm. I felt quite very restricted by the health and safety, yeah. even though it comes from a great point. No, I was just going to say, like, it may, it makes me wonder a little bit about the differences in kind of sense of responsibility and sense of community. Um, mm. If we go back a bit to kind of the recycling system and also you not recognising your privilege of what it's like kind of growing up in Sweden until you left is although you were saying as a Swedish person there's a sense of individuality there also seems to be a sense of considering the community mm. um mm. Like even kind of living here and having yeah apartment buildings built with thought in place about making it a valuable experience for the people living there and mm. something to benefit everyone like living in a cleaner city mm. um, and kind of all those things and even with health and health and safety having that we trust you mm. to be responsible mm. so we give you this freedom mm. Mm. and I don't know whether 
yeah of course i think it comes down to the trust we have in in the state providing us with the trust um in services let's Mm. say that the trust in services because in sweden we pay a lot of tax we Mm. do but i think most people do not frown very much against it because we know and we can feel that the services in place are benefiting us real time directly that we know is getting to us Mm. it's within the recycling system it's within the school system it's within the free lunches that we get to school until we're 16 it's Mm. it's within the free mostly free health care it's within regulations and extra money that you can get for being homesick sometimes people slip through cracks and there's Mm. good stuff we where there's more stuff we can do about that for sure Mm. but most of the system I would say that because we trust in that we are getting our money back for a tax system, we also trusting and that these services mm-hmm. can come back to us. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. I think the trust is the most vital point for having, you know, this community yes. uh, community aspect of if I give this, I know it's going to get back yeah. to me somehow. And I guess maybe like a sense of feeling valued and mm. the community being valued and everyone within the society having these protections in place if they were to lose work they would be valued and supported to get back to work obviously Mm. you're saying there's some cracks and Mm. there are with everything um but for me it it makes me think a little bit about obviously still here we're we're under the influences of capitalism it's it's a global thing Mm. but maybe this kind of idea of largum and trusting in what is enough for me mm. although though that kind of capitalist mentality is is still there you almost protect yourself from it a little bit mm. so then you have more trust for the people making decisions with the money because you assume that they also have that value for things outside of the financial growth but I, I've definitely noticed that like being here I, I don't feel like I'm seeing as much advertisement or seeing as many chain companies and I don't know whether that also has an impact in terms of like the Largan hmm. notion. It's some, not something I have reflected on. Mm. I just know there are certain rules and regulations very strictly in Sweden. Not uh, You're not um, allowed to have certain billboards next to driving on the highway for example. Mm. Um, or normal roads. So I think the billboarding that you see or the advertisement you see for different companies mm. are only in the location that they are. Mm. Obviously, you haven't seen much Swedish television, so that might no, be a different thing. That's true. Um, and I am also not watching very much. But you might be true in what you're saying. Like, I did see more when I, for example, took a bus. or mm. um, It's just kind of different advertisement, I would say. Yeah. Um, yeah. It feels more like whether there's a difference between the focus on advertisement being on what could be needed and could be beneficial um, mm. rather than excess. what can we sell this person? Yeah. What can we convince them they need when they don't need it? For sure, for sure. I think in Sweden, if, if you just go on the excess point, people are just going to be, no, you don't push this in my face. I make a decision. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like at one point, you're just going to be like, no. I think it's better if it just slowly comes in there. You know, it's, yeah. it's even more, it's almost more sneaky. But there, <laughs> it's it's almost more about that. If if you like excessively tell me to buy this like two weeks, I'm not going to do it. Like, no, I'm going to be annoyed that you sent me all this stuff. Um, for sure. And I think 
it's interesting also because I think I might be wrong about this. Maybe a listener will come back to me and say I'm not I'm not completely right. But I'm I think I if I'm remembering correctly, a couple of years ago they made certain regulations also what you can put in the mail that you're not allowed to have too much paper mail come into your door. So advertisement, for example, there's still some, but you're not allowed to do it in the same wow. direction, the same way. Yeah, it's almost like discouraging businesses from excessively advertising if it's not something that's needed and mm. that's that I think is something that's so important and that really doesn't happen in the UK like I don't feel like there's restrictions on on how much people can try and sell people <laughs> things at least it doesn't feel like it um, but at the same time that we also need to consider the vast difference we have in population but there is a very much big difference in how many people you have to manage um, the systems. And I would say, like, from my point of view, the UK has a lot of really dated systems. Like, sure. if, if it comes to a lot of stuff, like mm. some of the old electrical outputs yeah. and, yeah, sometimes also the recycling system. I mean, I spoke to you about that. Apparently, a friend of mine that was categorizing, like... um recycling company in yeah. Sweden because they wanted to write down from the owner exactly what happened in the company so an ex-owner could take it over and be like this is what happens in your company mm-hmm. they realized that apparently Sweden was making money from receiving trash especially from the UK because yeah. we have the right resources to be able to, to recycle things to recycle we, we can't because you yeah. you can't and then we have this kind of rest um product of what we recycled and that is needed in another country so we sell that to another country so you're making money off trash so we were they were making money out of trash i'm happy though that the trash can be could be recycled um but there's still very much flaws to it i think Mm. i think there needs to be globalization in in the way we recycle I don't understand why UK can't have the same recycling system as Sweden. Yeah, um, it's just the priority of where money is going and why it's going there. Mm. And yeah, it's such such a tricky thing. And I think as well, politically, things take so much time. Mm. Um, and I think maybe that well, there's definitely a lack of forward thinking mm. um, and kind of wanting that immediate gratification and seeing the immediate change and actually when you put processes in place that are sustainable they might take time to come into Mm, place mm. but when they do they work and they need less maintenance whereas if you suddenly just throw some money quickly Mm. to make something cheaply Mm. you're going to be replacing that in a few years Mm. time yeah um and it's that disposability culture that's such a problem and actually prioritizing building things to last Mm. and I think that's a big thing within Largum, mm, no? Like mm. repairing things and getting things to, yeah, to last as long as possible and valuing what you have and not having this kind of disposable culture, culture. of things of just, oh, well, I'll just buy another one with this one breaks. And mm. and obviously also I would say like the times we're living in right now are really not engendering this. Like you're really not forcing this, that we want to do this. Mm. The whole social structure and productivity priority in general in society just reinforces this thing of like, go, 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 don't look back, go, 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 go. And obviously that has been reflected in society, like the way we do our chores are way faster because the society is doing it. So of course they needed to do groceries faster, we needed to make it more efficient, but not more sustainable. 
so it is fast really food fast fashion everything all of these things yeah it becomes so damaging because it's not sustainable yeah um, and I guess people think it saves them time but actually the time gets filled with things that maybe are useless <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly yeah um, for sure but I know you talked a bit about um kind of the change moving from here to the UK mm. but were there any other things that felt quite extreme for me the thing that I thought about mostly that mm. felt extreme uh two things as a Swedish person first off I would say everyone has the right and the choice to appear however they want that's not what I'm talking about let's say um but I think for me it was a shock to come into like especially nighttime mm. UK which is very different to here um here you it's more chill like you go out and you can have jeans you have your sneakers you just go out to have a good time I don't have to particularly put on that much makeup I just know I look nice for me um but it felt like when I was in the UK I felt like most people put on clothes that the society think that they should put on no matter if they looked good in them or, or even not felt good in or them. even felt good in them i mean i saw girls that really it felt like they struggled with their dress struggle with keeping it you know as they wanted it really feeling you know a bit insecure in it and felt maybe i'm not here to make assumptions about them this is coming from my point of view or how I would see it I think and um, just to make that clarification mm. just like that you, they felt like this social pressure of you have to have this much makeup on and you have to look this way and you have to make your hair this way and you have to wear this dress and then that comes hand in hand with drinking habits in general mm. um and that's way different different countries I shouldn't say um but in Sweden we have this called thing called systembolaget so this means that there's only one organization mm -hmm. that is state funded. It's owned by the government uh -huh. where you can buy alcohol. That's the only, like you can buy like light beers in normal shops, but anything that's spirits or anything wow. you just buy in that, sh in that shop, you have to really plan it. And that's kind of the plan that mm. you have to plan your drinking. You know, you have to go there at 10 in the morning, like before work or like on your break to plan what you're going to get for the weekend to buy home so you have it at home to be able to drink it and mm. uh, you can't say on friday evening when you want to have a drink you go out oh let's buy you know mm. this wine because it won't be open then mm. and i mean i'm not saying that that might might be still people drinking a lot that's for sure but still a different thing it's it's more about it's more about the planning mm. how much am i going to use how much when mm. rather than i'm just buying all this mm. i'm buying now when i need it mm. you know um, and I think that comes into our most of people's drinking habits that when we go out, for most of us, the idea is not to get super wasted every <laughs> night, <laughs> which I feel <laughs> for most UK people, it feels like the idea of going out is to be super wasted and be drunk and tell the stories mm -hmm. of what you did that night. Yeah. Um, obviously, I'm not speaking about everyone. Generalized too. I just want to make this clear for people. I'm not... Yeah, this is not everyone. This is not my idea. But that, yeah, that was a big difference for me in how I viewed alcohol yeah. and my, my consumption of it and with people, yeah. um, I think. Definitely for me, growing up in the UK, I almost, I questioned a lot whether there was something wrong with me and my outlook on it because I was like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to wake up the next day feeling awful. I wouldn't want to be in that state. Mm -hmm. And 
I wouldn't want to waste that much money on buying loads of alcohol, mm. but there does feel like this pressure that if you don't do those things, you're boring or, mm. you know, that that's the thing that a lot of people idolize is like the big night out mm. and and all of that. And yeah, I think it is a very dangerous thing in, in many ways. And I think it's wonderful that actually here in Sweden, they do have more protection and more regulation mm. of it mm. because... I think that's so important and maybe it comes back to that thing of valuing the people in your community and the government putting people's well-being first and mm. I mean I'm not saying that you know the UK doesn't care at no, all no, about no, people's no. well-being no, but I don't feel like there is that same sort of level of protection of people mm. because alcohol makes a lot of money people spend a lot mm. of money mm. in pubs mm. so yeah, it's it's a tricky one for I th- sure. I think it also comes back to that it's possible for people in the UK to go out and to have a lot of drinks. Mm. In Sweden also, that's not possible. You are going to be no money. <laughs> going to be completely broke at the end of it. So yeah. for us it's I come from a place where you buy your alcohol mm. to your place you invite people over and you usually have a dinner and you drink mm. and then maybe you go out a little bit in the evening. Yeah. That's usually like the setting that I'm most comfortable with and I'm most used to. I mean, it's what I'm most comfortable with. Finding that lagom, right? Yeah, lagom with drinking as well, (laughs) True. Yeah. Um, So another thing that we've touched on a bit is the appreciation of like the outdoors and Mm. nature um, within Sweden. So would you agree that that's been a very important thing I come from a family where both my parents, so they really enjoy nature and really value it. And I was always the kid that never went abroad during like summers or when we had vacation. For my parents, mostly, it was about seeing Sweden and Scandinavia. Mm. They really wanted to do that. And we went on mostly on skiing vacations um, for the winter and then on summers. We actually had like a summer house we mm. went to to just be there. Uh, by the sea usually the whole summer so I wasn't a person really traveling abroad which meant that we wanted to make use of what we had here in Sweden Mm. which was usually nature Mm. which was usually camping or hiking or skiing and so for me it's always been embedded there like the whole nature aspects and how close I am to choose what I can do with it Um, and I think that's also why I appreciate it, you know, naturally, um, because it's come with me from the beginning on. I think there's something really lovely in that as well about taking the time to appreciate the nature that's around you and how it's supported your way of life and how it's integrated into your way of life. And, I mean, it also yeah. must come with the the thing of thinking about socioeconomic classes because mm. it is sometimes a bit more expensive to go around where you live, like in Sweden, it's quite mm. expensive sometimes. For example, go, to go skiing, uh, yes, it can be quite yeah. expensive. Mm. I mean, I'm not speaking about camping or hiking, yeah, obviously, that's yeah. a different thing. But I can understand why some people choose the other alternative mm. because a package mm. deal would then serve them better. Mm. And I guess it might be glorified in a different way mm. as well. Yes, that's true as well. But like, I'm really grateful for when I was growing up that if we went on holidays, it would be within the country we Mm. live in and Mm. exploring the beautiful parts of nature around where we live. Mm. Um, And I'm really grateful for that as well because I think that can be quite a rarity. So with regards to nature as well, and obviously we are in the midst of a climate crisis and it's 
yeah, I think still something that obviously people are becoming so much more aware of, but still not enough and not quickly enough. And yeah, I'd, I'd love to hear kind of your thoughts surrounding the big questions. Big questions. <laughs> There's a lot that comes to this um, topic and a lot that I'm processing. You keep on processing the ideas and the, you know, the values that you do mm. have. Um, and I feel like obviously it has changed during just a couple of years because everything has changed since we were kids. Like mm. a lot of it, you know, has yeah. very much drastically changed. We realized more stuff about scientific data and how our environment is impacted, you know, even more now than we, when we were small. It's, mm. it's very much we are in generation where we kind of realize this because of where society is going sometimes within, you know, the rising aspects of tribalism you know mm. we spoke especially if you speak especially about social media it feels like society is going now as you really find your tribe and you stay there you know mm. the tribalism aspect of go to the ones that you know and the, go, the ones that the ones that agree with you the ones that agree with you the ones that feel safe with and then that that there's only polar opposites of everything even in sweden where we feel like most of us are kind of quite close to each other some extremists but it's quite close to each other there's still this this feeling growing into tribalism and i feel like that's very strange to me because i can have my um views on how i view life you know how i can put logum into my living but how can i through the choices i make also change someone else if i don't get contacted with them on a daily basis or if mm. i don't get in contact with them on my social media feed if i don't get in contact with them with how I meet them, where do I meet these people and how can we meet these people? Yeah, and, and how do everyone within society be more open to these uncomfortable conversations? Mm. Or Because I, I remember you were saying earlier about how you may have like little things with people that you will have disagreements with, mm. but you still discuss them mm. and then come to a point of kind of seeing where each other are coming from mm. and seeing how you've established these different mm. views and mm. having that respect there mm. and... It is scary to see how much polarization there is with things that it's almost like that dialogue can't even be set up anymore. Because it's like yeah. we're from different groups, yeah. we have different views. Yeah. And you feel that in so many different areas, yeah. whether it's surrounding the climate, yeah. kind of veganism, yeah. Yeah. Um, social injustices, mm. politics, mm. like mm. everything. It's so interconnected mm. as well. Mm. And mm. it's so important that people talk about those things. Yeah. And, and yeah. I think. There's something, obviously, when we speak about lagum, I think there's something still interesting or something that I think has been pushed down now lately is that you're not allowed to say anything anymore because everyone will disagree with what you're saying. Do you know what I mean? And I feel like that comes from also point of this, you know, you, you can't reach out to places where you haven't been. Mm -hmm. And for me, someone coming and saying a statement that this is, I believe, very harshly, or this is this is what I believe, mm -hmm. and I don't agree with it. But as long as they say it and they would be open to have a discussion about mm. it, that's where the interesting stuff is happening. Yeah. If that person just goes at home thinking this without even actually stating it, mm. then it's never going to happen. And also, allowing yourself to be wrong or to make yeah. mistakes. Yeah. No one is perfect. Mm. No one knows everything. No. And, and we all live our lives, yeah, your own lives, yeah. Yeah, and we're only going to learn more through having these conversations and accepting that we might have a belief that's a dangerous one that mm. we didn't realise. Mm. You know, like, 
even with things like recognizing your privilege in certain mm. situations mm. that you might not have been exposed to a situation no. to recognize them to as a privilege. Never, maybe never in your life. And how can we transform this, you know, in a mm. person? I'm all about broadcasting what we need to do, what we need to do now. Mm. But it's the same with advertisement. If I push it so much in you, to you, like I'm not saying I shouldn't push because it's important to push, mm. but it's finding that point where that push can actually be taken in you know yes. can be received can mm. be processed mm. not oh i'm stepping back because you're pushing too much i think connecting to the fact that you're communicating with another human being i think especially like the fast paced of social media and general society at the moment you see these blanket statements and suddenly it categorizes something and those communications are blocked because mm. people just push out mm. anyone that doesn't agree with them yeah. and i think that's a really kind of damaging yeah and I think it's also coming back to this thing of like that every person have a right to have multiple belongings Mm. I I don't have to settle for one narrative or what Mm. someone thinks about me or what I thought I was two years ago Mm. like you're allowed to have different narratives allowed allowed to have different multiple belongings in society Mm. and what you feel and how you can change yeah you're allowed to develop as a person you're allowed to change your mind yeah (laughs) you can make mistakes yeah and not identifying with just one aspect of yourself I think as Mm. well is so important and this was a big thing for me especially with I you know I care so much about the environment and sustainability Mm. and certain areas within that there become many labels which automatically become a trigger word that turns people away from listening Mm. to things and and it's it's such a problem I think as well and and even considering yourself an environmentalist knowing that you're not shutting yourself off from the importance of other issues Mm. whether that's gender issues race issues socioeconomic issues they're all so connected that if we just label and tie ourselves to this one thing that that is my identity you're shutting off so much Mm. other important discussions Mm. and information that everyone needs to be hearing Mm. and considering Mm. in order to make positive change Mm. like a big thing i've been seeing recently is um you've probably seen like the quote as well saying like there's no climate justice without social justice yeah and it's things like that it's Mm. so important they're not separate issues embedded yes because we're all people that are multifaceted Mm. and you can't just target one issue and think oh and then once we deal with that then we can look at something else Mm. it's like but that thing can't be fixed until we consider the other things yeah it's the same with that i spoke to you i think a couple of days ago about that in sweden we have stopped most of our mining because mm. of environmental reasons but with the the supply of mining has been still the same or like mm. the demand of mining has still been the same which has meant that we basically just moved the problem to somewhere else mm. we moved the problem to another place where they mine more now for us to import it instead and that's where the faults come into the system that everything is interconnected within the world and the socio-economical states that we have as you say yeah. that everything we we kind of get into this patch network Mm. where one thing you know connects to the next connects to the next as you were saying Um, and it's almost then the fear that people just negate their responsibility from things because it's like well it's not happening here and it's like but you're benefiting off what is happening Mm. that is so destructive Mm. to other people who aren't in a position where they can make a better Mm. choice whereas Mm. we are responsible for putting that 
awful situation mm. Mm. onto a community because we are demanding something from them that we don't want to do ourselves because we know it's not ethical. Which it's... is which is why it's interesting, you know, we, we speak about, we've spoken about the differences about Sweden and UK, whilst the problem in the from the beginning is of that we are divided. Mm. Like, that's a problem from the beginning. We created yeah. these divides, divides yeah. these lines. We're global citizens, and that's mm. probably what we should embrace more. Yeah. Of course, people have differences, and celebrating those differences, I think, is so important. But kind of compartmentalizing things to negate a sense of responsibility or negate a sense of guilt or your impacts are negatively impacting someone else that's when it becomes so dangerous mm. I think mm. yeah for sure for sure mm. and I think we've touched on this quite a lot already and especially in this bit just now is kind of our individuality versus sense of community and where the change needs to happen can happen both feel both. incredibly <laughs> like it's both community are part of people it comes down to the person in the mm. end, I think. But the person needs to be supported by community, which mm. makes needs to make another person maybe in mm. higher power need to also make those decisions. Yeah. And I think as well, there's something with people recognizing their relationship to a community and other people mm. um, and the impact they have. Because mm. there's a big thing where people are like, I'm one person and I can't make a difference. But your choices ripple outwards so much. And... If everyone had that view of like, well, if I if I change, it doesn't matter because it's just me. Yeah. But one person is also responsible for loads of things. And if that individual person then holds that view of like, oh, well, I'm an individual, so it's not my responsibility. Mm. That individual has an impact on so many people. Mm. Um, and that's when I guess things with decisions in big companies, it's like, yes, it's a big company but there are individuals within that company mm. that are making it the way it is. Mm. So if the individuals in that situation start thinking differently or and challenging up. their views mm. and speaking up, then that has a big change in a community or a company. And I think it comes back to what we talked about. It's about allowing the conversation. Mm. It's yeah. opening up and allowing a conversation. No matter what that is, it's opening up and making space for conversation. Mm. That's where we can on yeah and space for being okay with mistakes yeah and with all them. kind of mistakes we mm. all make mistakes we all fail we all realize that there's this thing i said in the second is not what i agree with the next like mm. i what i said to you is that most things that i say to people what i think really in reality just holds me down to the second in this moment because mm. the next second that might not be the truth mm. because of someone impacted me you know there's a freedom within that within that perception that's something yeah. for me that helps me to say that what I'm saying now is true to this mm. but the next something might have happened in my life mm. which has changed me slightly differently yeah like I might have learned something I mm. might have spoken to someone mm. about something experienced something yes, yeah that that changed and I think that's such a an important view to have of being like having this feeling now doesn't define me for the next 20 years no. it just pinpoints where I'm at now mm. And it's fine for that to change. Yeah. And it's important for that to, to change, change because our world is changing so yeah. quickly. Um, exactly. But but yeah, oh it's been it's been so wonderful chatting with you. And this is the final question I ask all kind of people that I interview. 
and I guess it's basically a lot of what we've already discussed um but I will ask it anyway mm-hmm. how have you found a little bit of Lagum could be in your day a habit um that yeah helps you feel a little bit more balanced in your life I think right now um as I'm currently at I feel like I'm on a journey of self-realization and self-reflection and I think my little bit of logum in every day is finding where what I'm doing is good enough Mm. where is this good enough it's logum it's not maybe the perfect thing it could be it's not the worst but it's logum where it is and being uh, content with that choice mm. that some things don't have to be perfect throughout the day it can be logum mm. it's good enough for it is oh that's wonderful thank you Aww. it was lovely to be here it's, it's lovely to have you here i mean you're here all the time now which is wonderful um but yes i think we will leave it there and then very fruitful insightful conversation so thank you for sure for being so open and well thank you <laughs> and thank you so much for that Aww. now i need to work out how to stop it <laughs> thanks so much again to matilda it was so great to have these conversations with you and i hope that those of you listening have found something to take away from these discussions you can find Matilda on Instagram at Matilda Bjarum, and that's spelt B-J-A-R-U-M. If you have any thoughts or comments, I'd love to hear from you, and you can find me on Instagram at a little bit of Largum, or just drop me an email to a little bit of Largum at gmail.com. If you would like to support the podcast, which I really am so grateful for, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, as it really does help more people find the podcast. Or check out the coffee account for the podcast. The link will be in the description for this episode, along with extra notes from the episode, which I hope can be useful. If you have any thoughts on what you'd like to hear in future episodes as well, please let me know as I want to be able to make it useful and enjoyable for you. So yeah, if there's anything you would like covered, just let me know and I'll try and fit it in. Thanks again so much for listening and I'll speak to you again soon. Bye.